Hey you guys, welcome back to another episode of Off Kilter No Filter. I am your host, Byron Alexander, joined by my awesome ass co-host, Mrs. Tammy Chase. Yes, I am here. Hey, and present. Present. <laughs> and this week we're going to do another uh was it is a retrospective, introspective. Yeah, we're gonna talk about another director. Oh, it's a critique. Critique, yeah. It's a critique. There we go. It's one of those words. So we're gonna yeah. do a critique of another director yeah. slash filmmaker. Uh we did M Night. What did we do last time? M Night oh, Sean okay. Ding Dong. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, which he right. had his movie come out last month. Was a cabin in the yeah, woods? What was that called? Something yeah, like that. Something like that. <laughs> Meh. Okay. Which that's I, his I movie, had, but it's no based off a book. It. Yeah. Yeah, I have no interest in seeing it, though. I'll be honest with you. Me either. I just, it's not. I don't know. I'm okay. It's not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's mostly just I'm because his right, name is yeah. attached to it, and I know <laughs> people. I don't. Yeah. I know people like really they'll watch his films because they like him as a filmmaker like the way that the technical way that he does um, oh, make yeah. his films or whatever they're in it for that which I mean it's fine um, you know I go to the movies um, to get the story and the entertaining experience and kind of like the spectacle of the visuals and everything so of course yeah. we're coming at it from yeah. very different perspectives so I can understand that um, but as somebody who is coming from that perspective, M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong does not always deliver uh, or consistently deliver in, in those categories. It's like, yeah. he, again, in our episode, as we referenced, he has really good ideas or, or yeah. is able to take some of the ideas because he, he does a lot of adaptations um, or, yeah, or at least he has been fine. recently. Um, yeah. So he'll take the ideas, but then it's the execution that's the problem. <laughs> so I'm like the dialogue, yeah, yeah. the dialogue, well, the the setup of the story, and then always trying to throw in some twist that doesn't make any sense. It's like it doesn't <laughs> like your twist is supposed to be a twist on the narrative that you set up in order yeah. for it to have like that yeah. impact that you want. Like everybody gives Six Sense so much credit because it's like, oh yeah, Bruce Willis is dead. Oh okay, well then that's the twist that makes sense. But yeah. The I don't know about Cabin in the Woods, I didn't see it, but Old um, set it up to where the family is on an island and then they're being watched by some pharmaceutical company. It's like, did you ever explain that in the movie before that reveal? No. So it doesn't make any sense. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then let's tell them who we're talking about today because this has a, this is, it's a completely different type of director. Right. So today we're going to be talking about Quentin Tarantino. Um, we kind of mentioned him in our Copaganda episode. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So now we're going to uh, delve a little bit deeper into, uh, into him as a filmmaker and slash director slash sometimes actor. Mostly film yeah. filmmaker. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about today. Bye, M. Night Shalom Ding Dong. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Taking up too much of our time. Seriously. <laughs> and I, oh, and I bet you, I don't have to bet. Let me look this up real quick. One more thing with M. Night Shalom Ding Dong. Because Cabin yeah. in the Woods, um, let me see, Cabin in the, is Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, Cabin in the Woods. Was it Cabin in the Woods? I, I don't Hold know. Hold on. M. Night. I saw, I saw one trailer for it, and I was like, nah. Right? Is it Cabin in the Woods? 
Oh, knock at the cabin. Knock at the cabin. It was something with the cabin. I don't. Oh, see, I don't pay for shit like that. Yeah. Well, okay. So, knock at the cabin is what it was called. Yeah. Or it okay. is called. And apparently, it was made for $20 million. And for right now, it's made $53 million. So, it got a return on its budget. Uh, sure. Minus marketing. So, this is how he stays in business. Like, he'll make a movie um, for pretty cheap. Especially horror has always been a cheap genre. Um, Because you don't, you know, you don't have to do that much unless you're going like over the top CGI or um, gore or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of practical effects can can just give you the idea that something's happening. And if you're, oh yeah, jump scares, right? Yeah, Yeah, if you're an adept filmmaker, yeah, you can. You don't have to uh, show everybody everything. You can just suggest what's happening and let you know your imagination do the rest. That's what they did with Alien. Well, I mean, it sounds like a political party, I know. But anyway, yeah. so, uh, you know, turn around and it makes a whole bunch of, well, a whole bunch of money compared to the budget. So, you know, for yeah. 10 or $20 million, yes, that's a lot of money. But if it makes 50 or 100 or $200 million, hey, that's how you stay in business. This is why we'll get another M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong movie next year. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> right. Well then, let's let's talk about the stuff with Quentin Tarantino because his is definitely different as far as like, you know, for a while there he did pump out quite a few, you know, but then lately it's been you know a trickle as far as him pumping movies out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I've watched. Let's see, I've seen one, two. Let's see, I've seen. I saw Pulp Fiction. That was the first Quentin Tarantino movie I saw. Mm-hmm. And then both Kill Bills. Mm-hmm. I've seen both Kill Bills. I've seen Hateful Eight. Uh, I've seen Inglorious Bastards. I should probably pull up a list. Do you have a list yeah. already pulled up? Yeah. Okay. I mean, let me pull one up too, because I. Because I pulled up his uh, his Wikipedia page. Yeah. And uh, his filmography. All right. Oh. So I've done. I've done. Yeah, I did Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. I did not see the whole thing of Reservoir Dogs. I just haven't gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. Hateful Eight, I've seen Dust Till Dawn. I've seen... Uh, I did not see Jackie Brown. I didn't see... I, did I see Kill Bill Volume 3? I, I guess I, There wasn't a Kill Bill I, Volume I didn't even 3. know there was one. There, okay. there isn't, uh, as far as I know. I, did, I saw True... No. I saw True Romance, Desperado... Uh, <laughs> Little Nicky, but gross. I don't know that one. <laughs> I did not like that movie. <laughs> it, it's an Adam Sandler. Oh, Little Nicky, where he was the he was the, yeah. the devil's son or yeah. something, right? Yeah, I did see that. I yeah. forgot about that. I saw Natural Born Killers. Uh, and let's see. Little Nicky was a Tarantino movie. Why is it listed there? Like, let me go to IMDb. It's a much more... Right? Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that, let me go to... He might have been in it. Oh. Let me, let me find out. Uh, oh, is it doing like filmography IMDb as far as, like, his... Uh, yeah. Like, if he uh, uh, appeared in it or something. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I have film work let by me... Tarantino. Yeah. Some of the ones you were listing, I'm like, that's too. not on the list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let me... Let me find out his director 
because it's more what director mm-hmm or like directed by like he was a guest director on Sin City which I do remember I watched Sin City um and it's definitely there are Tarantino isms in it and well evidently he's a guest director so that's why um yeah so I've, I guess I've seen four of his films and and I say four and a half, I guess, because I saw some of Django Unchained. I didn't watch it all the way through. Because I've never seen Reservoir Dogs. I just watched Pulp Fiction for the first time last week. Um, Why am I having, why am I struggling with this? How do you spell (laughs) Quentin? Uh, Q-U-E-N-T-I-N. Because he has to be different. <laughs> God damn, man. It's like people that spell their name Amy. A-I-M-E-E. What the fuck? <laughs> spell it A-M-I or A-M-Y. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I have never I never saw Rose Bar Dogs, but I did see True Romance, Pulp Fiction, Natural Born Killers. I don't know what uh, it's From Dust Till Dawn. Is. I don't know what that is either. From yeah. Dust Till Dawn. I did not see. I I, I want to say I saw Jackie Brown, but I don't think I did. I know of Jackie Brown because um, I know Pam Greer is Jackie Brown. Because um, some of these he didn't direct, but he wrote. Mm-hmm. So like like Natural Born Killers, he wrote the story, but he didn't direct it. Mm. And Sin City, he was a guest director. He was a guest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I saw both Kill Bills, um, and I saw Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight. I have not seen Once Upon a Time. In- did I see Once Upon? I did see Once Upon a Time. No, I didn't see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> well, and I just saw so. a news article that he's getting ready to film his last film. Like, I guess he's retiring. Yeah, why not? I guess. Why don't they list? I mean, he's been doing it for 30 years. Why not? Uh, yeah. Almost 40. Like, if he started in 1987. Yeah. So, hey, why not? Yeah. Nah. Okay. I guess. I don't. Oh, I also apologize, listeners. If you hear like a bunch of background noise, it's. I guess it's spring children. break here, so it seems like the children are r- running up and down the hallway with a skateboard. We're children. We're children. Yay. Children. Man, fuck them kids. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, this is probably why right, I don't well, have children okay. of my own. But anyway. So, all right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, kids. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. So, out of uh, the ones that you have seen, uh-huh. which one do you like the best? Um, I really did enjoy Kill Bill Volume One. Um, yeah, I liked it too. Yeah, that one had That's my favorite. The, yeah, that one had. Um, some pretty good comedy, definitely over the top action. Um, it seemed to be at the time because I was I saw it in two thousand and four. Yeah. Um, I know it came out in two thousand three, but I didn't see it until two thousand four. Um, yeah. we watched it in school actually. <laughs> what? In college? No, in high school. Um, because we had we had. This is what my junior year, and the seniors. I was there for some reason. Who showed that to y'all? 
Nobody. We had free periods. We had there was I think it was during oh, okay. finals week yeah. or something, but okay. we had free period and it's just like, well, we have a TV and it has a DVD player, so I don't know. What do you guys want to watch? <laughs> and yeah. somebody had Kill Bill Volume One, and we watched it. It's like, eh, right. why not? All right, yeah. So, um, we saw the part where uh, is it Daryl Hannah? Is it? It's not, yeah. yeah. Her character is walking down the hallway whistling. I was like, I really like that. Yeah. And uh, you know, Uma Thurman's feet. Ugh, Uma Thurman's feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like her feet. Uma Thurman's got good feet. I well, it, it takes some getting used to. Move your big toe. Yeah, I know, right? Move <laughs> your big toe. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Oh man, that was pretty funny. I loved. I loved Kill Bill. Those were good movies. And just some of the dialogue too with the acting. Where uh, okay, you're you went out. I'm back. I you promise. Went. Yeah, there you are. Freaking a. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> there you are. Um, some of the dialogue, um, the dialogue choices that they have is pretty funny. Where uh, yeah. I don't remember Daryl Hannah's character character name, but um, she calls Bill, um, and he tells her not to kill her. Kill Uma Thurman's character or whatever. It's like you don't know her shit. He's like, keep your voice down. It's like you don't know her shit. It's like that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Uma Thurman's characters was a Beatrix kiddo, which I thought also thought was yeah. kind of interesting too. It's like they don't tell you her name in the first one, and when they say it, they blank yeah. it out. It's like that's interesting. Um, yeah. It was the closest thing to what anime was at the time yeah yeah exactly yeah uh-huh. um especially because like in the early 2000s anime was starting to really take off in the united states like it had already like started like a started building its fan base but it seemed it seemed yeah. to explode in the early 2000s mostly because the internet was starting to become capital i internet um yeah and anime was all over cartoon network um because mm-hmm. before that it was it was a two-hour block on the sci-fi channel um, on Saturday yeah. mornings. So, yeah, by the early 2000s, because Dragon Ball Z had um, become pretty popular. And, um, I know, right? And Gundam Wing and all that stuff. So, also, uh, Linkin Park um, had become uh, pretty popular in 2003, 2004. Yeah. And one of their videos was um, an anime, uh, done in anime style. So, seeing that yeah, yeah. influence on the Kill Bill series, because even one of uh, Oren Ishii's backstory is is drawn in, in Japanese animation. Um, yeah. So seeing that uh, aesthetic kind of applied to live action uh, was definitely interesting. And I want to say maybe innovative to sound pretentious, but it was definitely, it was different at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. So I did enjoy that. For sure. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. I actually had a lot of fun with Kill Bill, um, as far as the viewing experience, especially when, mm-hmm. I mean, it opens with Vivica A. Fox and Uma Thurman's characters going at it, which is pretty funny. And then she has a daughter, yes. and her daughter comes yes. in, and they're like, "Oh yeah, nothing to see here." <laughs> well, and then after she kills Vivica Fox, and she goes, "One day you'll come find me, 
And then, you know, because she basically tells her, I know I just killed your mom in front of you. Mm -hmm. And one day you're going to come find me and make it swear, mm -hmm. you know, and we'll, we'll swear it up. Uh, so it's like, okay, is, is Quentin Tarantino giving himself room that, you know, when this girl gets to be, let's say, 20 mm -hmm. or something, that she's going to come back and find Uma Thurman? Which, I mean, I remember reading something where he was getting footage of her as, as that age at the time. Mm -hmm. And that he may revisit it later. That's what I'm saying. So I saw listed when I said Kill Bill 3, and I'm wondering if that's what it's for, if that's the last movie he's going to make. Maybe. That'd you know be interesting. Mean? Finish that off because, yeah, no, here it is. Mm -hmm. Kill Bill volume, volume 3. So far they have uh, three people. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Uma Thurman. All right. And why Samuel Jackson's going to be the little girl's like dad or grandfather or something. <laughs> Because he's in all of his, almost all of his movies. So Samuel Jackson will show, show up as Samuel Jackson will be the one that trains her to watch. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's, it's it's kind of out there. Mm -hmm. You know, that, he's, he's, that it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I... There's uh, Daryl Hannah, Hannah, Julie Dreyfus definitely uh, are in. But Daryl Hannah's character died, didn't she? Well, I guess unless they do flashbacks. No, she left her behind. Yeah, she left her behind. She was just screaming in the. Uh, well, I mean, there's a there's a black mamba snake. Well, no, but she I just thought grabbed there was a her gunshot. eye and left. I thought there was a gunshot no, after she, that. No, she pulled she pulled her eye and out and then left. So oh. now she's completely blind. But she pulled her eye out, but left her in the trailer with a loose black mamba. Her character has to That's be all. dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Why? I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe not, but I guess for good storytelling, she's not. She she got bit so many times that she developed a, a she built up a tolerance to the black mama venom, and now you know. <laughs> or she just killed it. I yeah. mean, or it just slithered away. It doesn't a black, just because a black mama's in there doesn't mean it's going to come after you. This is true. If it's got no purpose with you, why would it? Why would it go after you? Mm -hmm. It's going to find try to find a way to escape, not just hunt you down right snakes don't hunt you down like snakes don't do that only the basculist does no. that <laughs> yeah right and it's not a basculist <laughs> this isn't harry potter <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. which i will say when i played yeah. that game and we got to that part it was a little <sighs> harry potter 2 or what is that the yeah. uh What's the second one? Chamber of yeah, Secrets. Yeah, Chamber of Secrets. It's the Chamber of Secrets. Between a fucking giant spider and a giant snake. I was like, fuck you, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, so okay. You just recently saw mm -hmm. uh, Pulp Fiction. Yes. So, I want to get your hot take on it, and then I'll give mine, uh, because I saw mine, I saw it years ago. It was interesting so seeing it... Um, for the first time now, like 30 years later after it came out, mm -hmm. because I've mm -hmm. seen so many um, parodies or homages to it that a lot of right. it is like I kind of knew I knew what it was before or I knew what it was while it was playing out. So mm -hmm. Samuel Jackson's part where not only the Ezekiel, Ezekiel 2517, but also just the, the part where he's talking to Brett or Brad or whatever his name is. And he keeps saying what? And so he puts the gun on his face like, say what again? Say what again? Yeah. Well, which is pretty funny. But 
Yeah. The Boondocks, not the Boondocks Saints, but the Boondocks, it's a great TV show. Um, Samuel Jackson voices one of the characters and they reenact that. So oh. um, <laughs> yeah. I was familiar with that. And it, it actually took me a minute to to put to to make the connection because I hadn't seen that episode in a while. But um yeah. it, I remember that. So I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Um Ezekiel twenty five seventeen in Captain America the Winter Soldier, Samuel Jackson plays Nick Fury. And in that movie, Nick Fury um fakes his death. So people thinks he thinks he's dead. And on his gravestone, it has um Ezekiel twenty five seventeen on it. Um oh, yeah. in reference okay. to, you know, his uh to yeah. Pulp Fiction. I was like, oh, okay. Sure. And then um Fallout Boy did a song called She Wants to Dance Like Uma Thurman. So I was like, are they talking about her doing the twist in Pulp Fiction? And they kind of do, they yes. make an homage to that in, in the music video. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, I enjoyed the movie. I know, again, we touched on it in the Copaganda episode. The only thing that, it not necessarily bothered me, but it was just kind of like, I see no purpose in this, is Quentin Tarantino's character and then the choices that yeah. he makes as that character, I'm yeah. like, I, I don't really get that. And I think that's part of yeah. the reason why I don't really seek out his movies. Um, because he has like this really weird relationship to the absurd, is from my observation. Yeah. Like, obviously I could be wrong, but from my vantage point as a viewer, um, some of the stuff that he does, it's just kind of like you're doing it for uh, just like gratuitous, like you're being gratuitous just for gratuitous sake. It's like, it yeah. really serves no purpose to the film or to the story that you're telling. You're just doing it because you can, which is always a double-edged sword. Cause it's like, you can do something and it could be funny or impactful, but it's the way that you do it. And yeah. a lot of times it's like, at least from my, my, again, from my perspective, it's like, it just kind of falls flat. It's like, no, what was that for? Like you were really just doing it just to what? Show off that you can or like right. one of those people who are like, you're, in, you're trying to egg a reaction out of somebody. Is that it? Like, man. Would that have been, do you, do you think that it's just maybe now the time period too? Because like when it came out, it was kind of edgy that he, you know, mm -hmm. had that scene, you know, that he did that. But now it's like, you know, almost passe. It's like, come on, there, it's unnecessary, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but do you think it was like that in the 1990s? Because, you know, when that came out, maybe everybody was more inclined to not kind of say those things. Mm -hmm. you, you see what I'm, I, maybe, I, know, I, I don't, don't know what I'm trying uh, to say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Cause the nineties are so weird. Like one, yeah. it's hard for me to speak on the nineties since I was, I grew up during the nineties, but I didn't really become yeah, like aware true. of the nineties until like 96, 97 when I was 10. Right. Um, yeah. So it's and it's hard to it's hard to disassociate what we know in the present from what was going on in the past because we have a tendency to say to like speak on the past through the lens of our present day, right? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah, that's called exactly. presentism. I didn't know that had a word, but that's what we do. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear, but okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a logical word, presentism. Okay, right? Like, oh, okay. Um, so I don't know. It's hard for me to, yeah. to really assess that. I would imagine 
that when that came out in 90, was it 93? 94. Something like that, yeah. Um, This is, I don't know. This is before OJ, like in the middle, before yeah, OJ, yeah, right, OJ, right after yeah. LA, the LA riots, um, the rise of gangster rap, and and also this brief period where there was like this this exploration of like Afrocentrism, um, as far as like getting back to your roots and, and things like that, where certain words were thrown around and people were having different conversations about them. Um, okay. Some, I guess, better than others or more adept than others. Um, but there was like this kind of general understanding in general with an asterisk that either you don't say certain words or you can't say certain words if you're given permission by somebody. Yeah. There's that. That's um, weird to me too though the permission thing. Now, okay. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this a little bit too. So when you're making a historical film like when he made Django Unchained, right? Mm-hmm. That's a historical film and trying to portray historically how how uh slaves were treated and stuff. So having, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and other whites talk that way is historically accurate. So it's not something that you can argue with. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, okay, that's terrible. We're trying to show how bad it was, how shocking it you know it would be now, blah, blah, blah. So that, that to me, doesn't necessarily require permission. Mm-hmm. But for something that if you're doing it like he did in Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. it leads itself to, if you have to ask permission, mm-hmm. why are you doing it in the first at all? Place. Again, right. if you're trying to show... If he... Okay, so that character technically is supposed to not be racist he's married to a, a black woman he obviously you know it, but but how does how is it trying to portray him as right. somebody comfortable enough to say that in front of mm-hmm. in front of was it julius what what is yeah his julius um uh, yeah, yeah that's his name julius yes. Vinny. Mm-hmm. is it yeah is it is it is it that he's he trying to show how comfortable he is in that mm-hmm. that situation uh or I mean, I, again, is he trying to show some kind of authority? I, I don't know, but exactly. if you have to ask permission, and I think I think it was it was much more. Now, had he said it one time, ah, eh, it's shocking, ah, eh, kind of weird. But the continuation of saying it is mm-hmm. kind of like after a while, it's like, right, what are you, what are you trying to, what are you trying to prove here? Right, and what is what is the purpose of this? Right, well, and that's and the it, conversation because, yeah. like. <sighs> And again, in the 90s, there's this idea, too, that like he is married. Well, in a movie, I guess he's married to a black woman, but he can still be racist. Like just because he's married to a yeah. black woman doesn't mean he's Oh, not, absolutely. Right. No. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, because you can still fetishize her. You can still like you yeah. still see her as an object. Like it, that's the whole thing, thing of like, yeah, yeah exactly. Because, you know, I'm not racist. I have black friends. It's like thing. you're still a prop. You know, yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, I can't be racist because I have black children or whatever. And it's like, OK, you have black children, but you're basically, again, using them as props or your argument. What you're saying without having to say is that somehow you're their hall pass because <laughs> they belong yeah. to you. Right. Yeah. So that's the other thing, too. Um, so there's that whole ball of wax um, 
you know, that we'll save that for a different episode. But also, um, <laughs> with that particular scene in Pulp Fiction, it's like he kept saying it, and like the way that he was saying it, it's almost as if in, and obviously I can't speak for him because my name's not Quentin Tarantino, but as a viewer, it seems as though he was doing it to be not only shocking, but also show maybe the absurdity of it, but he's the only one yeah. in on the joke. Wait, your microphone went out. Frickin' A! <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yes. <laughs> it's like you get, you get you, you, the best stuff, you're saying the best stuff, and that's when the fucking microphone goes out. I know, right? Oh, that's the people's listening to us. So somebody listening uh... to this podcast. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Which just hasn't even been published yet. So I know, right? Who's spying on my fucking audacity? I know. <laughs> Why? Because we talk about some real shit, right? There, look at that. Look at that. See? Mm. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <sighs> All I was saying was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess the good news is like it went out for you, but it's mm. it's in the recording on my end, so the the audience. Will get it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The sure, audience sure, will sure. get it. Yeah. But anyway. Audacity is getting shit. Um, shit. I just lost my train of thought with all of that. See, that's why they did it. Assholes. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not denying that. <laughs> Um, I want you to lose your train of thought. Okay, yeah. So there we go. Okay, I, 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 I'm back now. All right. So yeah. with him doing that, saying the hard R and, and, and keep saying it in the way that he says it, because it's kind of like a caricature, it's one could interpret it as him showing how absurd it is to use it and how ridiculous it is to say it in front of. Uh, Samuel Jackson's character or whatever one could do yeah. it that way yeah. or interpret it that way and then at the same but at the same time not only can you take offense to it but also he's the only one in on the joke he's the only one that would know um, that he he believes that he's you know making fun of the, the use of the word or people who use the word or whatever and again yeah. I can't speak for him because yeah. I'm not him um it's one of those things that tend to happen with filmmakers or any any kind of now we call them content creators when they talk about these uh, very involved topics and very charged topics um, because it's not their direct experience um, it's you, it's easy to fall into the trap of like hey I'm trying to show how absurd this is or how ridiculous and harmful it is by putting it out there, right? Which all it does is perpetuate the power structure that allows this shit to happen in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so if you watch like South Park or Family Guy or whatever, they'll have the jokes to show like how harmful and how ridiculous racism, sexism, all the isms are. But they're doing that with their characters, thereby perpetuating racism, sexism, and all the other isms. Yeah. <laughs> that's the irony of it. It's like, so how the hell do you, that's why it's so hard to talk about. It's like, well, how do you do it, right? 
It's like right. you're talk you're trying to talk about the thing that you're not supposed to talk about. So how do you do that, right? Which is where the work lies. I don't have an answer for that. That's the the riddle, yeah. right? Um, so it could be taken. I guess it could be taken either way, you know. And and that's just two perspectives. I'm sure there are others. Um, I think that's part of the reason why I've avoided some of his movies. Um, because some of it is just over the top gratuitous violence. And yes, Kill Bill was fun to watch, but um, some of the other ones, I'm like, meh. I, I like Inglorious Bastards. I don't. I I didn't really have like a an an itch to see it. I wanted to see Hateful Eight, um, but I I ended up missing it. I'm sure it's still on Netflix, and I could probably watch it um, in the same place I watched Pulp Fiction. Um, but I don't know, especially when it comes to like again that particular scene and that particular word. My question is always why. Um, like it, again, it's different if you're portraying a certain time, or if, or if this particular right. character, um, is like a part of a certain organization or or a group, or um, or is supposed to represent something. Then I don't know. I guess as a viewer, you make that choice if you want to indulge that or not. But. It's almost like Walker, Texas Ranger to an extent where every season, at least two episodes, they would have some version of the Klan or a white supremacist organization, whatever. And the main character would be this over the top, you know, use the hard R, slack jawed, uh, local yokel type character. Um, And then of course, Walker would like high kick him in the face because racism is bad. It's like, but why? Like, not that racism is bad. But it's like, but why would you have this character? Um, the broader conversation, of course, is like you use these things as part of the conditioning process. We covered this in a propaganda video um, to like let people off the hook. Because if you can make individuals bad actors or or quote unquote bad people, whatever, then you don't have to look at the systemic issues of what created them in the first place. So, right. I don't know. Tarantino kind of falls into the same, uh, that same trap, which isn't necessarily like a fault of his, but I think it's just more so the way that the film industry is constructed and how it's structured. Um, even if he's trying to be subversive, even if, because like, even when he opens Pulp Fiction, he has the definition of it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know what kind of movie you're getting. Um, but even with that subversion, it's like you're still upholding the same structure that allowed you to make this movie. It's very interesting. Again, that's where the work lies, and that's like a very not even a nuanced conversation. That's that's yeah. that's something that honestly is kind of like beyond my scope at this point. It's like I don't know what you do with that. But it is interesting. It is kind of fascinating to go like, huh. How do you consume that? And again, this is my first time seeing it. It's a 30-year-old movie. Um, And being completely honest, when Samuel Jackson says it to Phil Lamar's character, it's actually pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. Um, You know, there's maybe a little bit of hypocrisy in there. There's... 
Um, there's kind of, uh, as a viewer, it's like certain things that you accept. It didn't make me mad. Um, I wasn't like, I'm turning this movie off because like, how dare you? It wasn't anything like that. Because honestly, the word hearing it, especially now, it's like, it's not kryptonite to me. It doesn't bother me. I've heard it so many different ways, so many different times, um, you know, because even of course now it's like having the conversations that we have, people online will sit up there and hurl it at me. And it's like, this, that means absolutely what? nothing to me. Um, when do people online? Uh, not, well, not like you can say it online. You ain't gonna say it to my face, but you know, um, yeah. I've not yet experienced that, but like the kind of conversations that we talk about, when you talk about structural stuff, it makes people uncomfortable because they recognize that they contribute to it um, mm -hmm. directly or indirectly, or not even or, directly and indirectly. Um, and so, of course, they get defensive. And so the first thing that they do is go to the very thing that you're talking about. So pro tip class, talking about these things is not being divisive. That's not how that works, right? No. Dismissing and thereby protecting and perpetuating the system that we're critiquing is what's divisive, right? Yes. So when you talk about structural racism and sexism and all the other isms, and then pr people's response is, you know, to come at you with the N-word or, you know, you're so woke and all this other bullshit, it's like, that's not being like we're not being divisive because we're calling that out like you're being divisive because you're holding on to the onto the power because you're angry that, <laughs> right <laughs> that is allowing you I mean, to how do you how do, how do you not get that right how, they how do, do they just don't that? care you know no, well you we've watched that play out remember like we've watched that happen mm -hmm. where it's like you get what i'm saying and yet you missed the point that's talent that's all i can say that's talent. That's talent. <laughs> it's like shit. I, just, I got nothing else. It's like, how did you yeah. do that, talent? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, that's my my uh, my uh, off kilter with with that particular film. Like, I enjoyed. I did enjoy the movie. Um, apparently, on Wikipedia, it tells you how to watch it. Since that's the other thing with. Uh, with Pulp, Fic Pulp Fiction, it's nonlinear storytelling. So, um, yeah. I the, think that's that's what was like. I think what everybody was kind of liking mm -hmm. during that time period was it was it was so different as far as its storytelling. Mm -hmm. How it comes back around. You know, you have Vincent and and he's with Julius and they're doing all their stuff, and then you have the the story with Bruce Willis. And that's how Vincent bites it because he, he goes to take a shit in Bruce Willis's apartment and leaves his fucking gun on the counter. Right. And Bruce Willis comes in to get that watch that Christopher Walken had up his ass. And he comes and gets the watch, turns around, sees the gun, and then <laughs> Vincent starts to come out of the bathroom and Bruce Willis fucking shoots him and then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Wasn't he just with, oh, okay, nonlinear storytelling? So they're telling it out of order, mm -hmm. but you know it's it it all wraps up together mm -hmm. and they never tell you what's in the briefcase i always thought that was no. funny like he two times two or three times they mm -hmm. open the briefcase and show like this shining well they have light from something that's supposed to be shining and it's i guess gold or something and then it chills out but the the two robbers of the restaurant yeah right because he's uh, trying to tell, tell tell that bitch to calm down yeah. tell anybody to calm down <laughs> 
a bitch to come down. And it's just like, is that what I think is it is? I it's think like, it is. yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yep. Uh, evidently, it's important, but not important enough for Samuel Jackson's character to be like, he'll just take it for himself. She's like, nah, I'll give it to Ving Rangs' character and go on about my business. It's like, huh. Yeah, well, because he's going to retire. Yeah, like he's. He decides he's going to retire from this. That's why Vincent was alone when he went to Bruce Willis's apartment, mm-hmm. is because uh, Julius retired. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. And I liked um, um, Mr. Wolf. He was pretty funny. Harvey Keitel's Yeah, oh character. my God. Yeah. I, I drive very fast. Yeah. Try to keep up. So I, <laughs> they hose him down in the yard. Because <laughs> they got, what's his name's blood all over. Yeah, which I Because, <laughs> oh my God. What and again, this gratuitous, over the top. Yeah. Blows his head off. It's like, fuck. Oh my didn't gosh. Didn't mean to do that, but right? it's like, oh, you didn't mean to do that. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the movie has its merits, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think that's that's you know what, what, again, I think it was the nonlinear storytelling that was kind of innovative at the time, mm-hmm. you know, that people really liked about it at the time was the nonlinear storytelling. I think that makes it breaks um, it for a lot of people. Like my sister watched. Yeah, I think it, she it does. Like I think it. it does for me too. Yeah, I think it does for me too. If if it because I think it would have been just kind of a normal, boring kind of gangster mm-hmm. movie. Had it been told in yeah in a linear fashion, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been kind of like what what's you know uh, uh, this is boring. But when you're trying to figure it out a little bit, you're like, okay, this is kind of this kind of cool, you know, because um, you know some of the, the subjects are kind of like yeah, I don't like to watch people shooting up heroin. That's just not my thing. Yeah, I don't like to watch people snorting heroin. Yeah, That's not my thing that was either. I'm like <laughs> it, that was the other thing too in the, in the 80s and 90s. Um, yeah. You know, because of course, drug culture became a a thing, um, or really solid. Because of course, and it's the other thing too. These filmmakers grew up in the '60s and '70s, so when they became filmmakers in the mid to late '80s and early '90s, they're just remembering their childhood. So, um, you know, being in in an environment where all of that is just kind of freely accessible. you know, and, and and I don't know. This is this is the other thing too. With the '90s filmmaking, everything seemed to be very realistic. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. obviously it's a movie and they're reenacting things, but it gives the idea that they're actually snorting coke. Yeah. Oh my god, it does. <laughs> like when Uma Thurman's character does it, and apparently because she gets Vinny's stash or whatever, and she has an overdose. And the chick is like bleeding and, and vacillating and choking on her own crap, and it's just like, what the hell? Um, yeah. That whole yeah. sequence, no, it's, it's like, very realistic. Uh huh. <laughs> like it always makes you go, like, did y'all actually do this for real, and you just know, filmed it? Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a problem. Um, but that was that seemed to be like a staple of the uh, the early to mid nineties filmmaking because you had stuff like that and set it off um mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. samuel l jackson movie pretty much um even the comedies um your microphone's out i'm back i promise nope you're not but you can hear me <laughs> nope can you hear me now yes well freaking hey, a george i don't know what that is <laughs> it goes out comes back 
Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing these out anymore. You're just going to have to do. No. <laughs> and you know what? So you know what's funny is a lot of the podcasts I listen to, they don't edit this stuff out. It's okay, well, we're here. Cuz it makes it it makes it more like I've said before. It makes it more real. Yeah. You know. Like, we're real people. Yeah. And this it, it, it there's a lot Making of work that goes content. into this. Oh my god, yes, there is. Shit. <laughs> anyway, um all that being said, the the four movies that I've seen um, of his, well, yeah, well, I guess three and a half. Um, Kill Bill is my favorite. Kill Bill Volume One. Yeah, I did enjoy too. Kill Bill Volume Two. Um, I thought making David Carradine the bad guy was interesting. And, I thought it was great. Yeah, that was interesting. And then he he played a well because you want Bill to be you know a martial artist, but you also want him to be the type of person Carradine was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it just it, it fits so well in mm-hmm. my opinion. Which apparently he was kind of a freak. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, David. Yeah, that's it. he died. He 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 died because of his freakness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which. Bill as a character is like, well, he's kind of a freak. So it, mm-hmm, it makes sense. Mm-hmm, it makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> um, the only thing I didn't like about Kill Bill Volume 2 is it felt short. Um, yeah. And the yeah, ending did. didn't make sense. Somebody had to explain it to me later. Because um, when she's on the floor laughing, crying... Yeah. Um, it's like is she happy and sad that she killed Bill but apparently it's the the drug wore off or whatever which it, and apparently like when it does no, it increases she's happy. euphoria but she no she, she was happy she killed Bill she got her daughter back right but the the truth serum that he shot her with or whatever he said when it, oh, when yeah. it wears off it like yeah. induces a wave sure. of euphoria so I was like oh so she killed Bill. Her daughter's alive, but also she's coming off the yeah. truth serum stuff. Yeah. At least that's how it was explained to me. Cause I was like, I didn't really, I got the half where she's like, I guess she's free quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but this also begs the question. It, well, these things write themselves. So if kill Bill volume three, Vivica Fox's daughter comes to settle up with Uma Thurman, right? But Uma Thurman has a daughter. So is it going to be left open-ended where Uma Thurman's daughter goes after Vivica A. Fox's daughter? <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? Is it going to be... That'll be cool. You know, is it going to be like be her daughter's trained to to be an assassin or whatever? And like she, fought, she fights Vivica A. Fox's daughter because like Uma Thurman's character dies off screen or whatever. You know, it's just... I guess there's only so many stories out there or, or so many uh so many things you can do given the genre. Cause even even last night watching a, a TV show that I like, it's like the stuff writes itself. So or or Monday night. Like the stuff writes itself. So I knew beat by beat what was going to happen. It's like, yeah, I've seen this yeah. before. It's fun to watch, but I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I think Part, that's part of also too why Quentin Tarantino is um, so interesting sometimes because he it doesn't always happen but he tries to take some of the tropes the established tropes and turn them on their head sometimes he, he does it better than others in, in particular films but 
Um, and maybe that's why the whole nonlinear storytelling in Pulp Fiction worked for some people because, yeah, um, yeah, like you said, if it was just if it was linear, it would have been boring or it would have been like, OK, yeah, we know how this goes. Um, but it, even like with some of the more. Mm, I want to say horror because I don't, I don't think he's really done like a horror movie, but um, uh, du- from Dust Till Dawn was. That was a Tarantino movie? I think so, yeah. Think oh. So. Whoops. Well, I haven't seen that. Hang on. And Grindhouse, I didn't watch either. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Uh, oh, yeah, from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it. Um, and apparently he, he was... And he was an executive producer. And kind of a star enough to have his face on the poster next to George Clooney apparently yeah. <laughs> well whatever <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know he's, he's obviously I don't know him but he's a he's an interesting filmmaker and I guess if I if I knew more of him as a person then I could I could see more of his directing style. This that's the other thing too. Like as a creative person, um, I've like read this in my psychology book years ago. But you, as a creative person, like if you're an author, filmmaker, songwriter, whatever, you end up revealing more about yourself than you initially intend. And that's basically because yeah. there's like fingerprints. Basically, it's like if you're when whatever you create, even if you're trying to be all allegorical and subversive or whatever it's like it's still you because it's still your stuff like it's an extension of your personality so it'll show up um across your work so in watching his movies you can get a sense of who quentin tarantino is even if you've never met him right right so yeah i don't know like he's an interesting person i'll put it that way (laughs) yeah yeah I saw Hateful Eight was was it was all right. Um, I just I feel like uh, Samuel L. Jackson is becoming Quentin Tarantino's uh, the way that Johnny Depp will do anything that what's his name does. does. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they're kind of they're kind of like same same way with Uma Thurman. It's mm-hmm. like she'll it's, for the most part, you know, because uh, they have a production company together, Q and T. Okay, uh, Q and U. That's it. Q Q and U. Um, which I think the Kill Bills were under that. Okay. Um, well, that makes sense because like Samuel Jackson and Uma Thurman like really exploded after um, mm-hmm. um, their careers really exploded after Pulp Fiction. Like they had been doing stuff, mm-hmm. of course, but it seemed to be like Pulp Fiction really like made them Samuel L. Jackson and Uma Thurman. Um, right. Well, until she right. did uh, Batman and Robin, like that really messed up everybody's career except for George Clooney, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but that's just because George Clooney is George Clooney. I know, right? He plays like there's no. It's just George Clooney. So anytime anybody hires George Clooney, they know they're just going to get George Clooney. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not getting a character actor. They're just getting George. They're just Clooney getting George wearing Clooney. a Batman costume, right? <laughs> well, and he was on. You're wearing. Yeah, you know, he was on ER, which was still a hit show at the time. So and he was George and he was Clooney. George Clooney. So he didn't have to. He his career didn't really suffer the backlash like Chris O'Donnell and Alicia Silverstone. And Uma Thurman 
had a quote unquote comeback because of Kill Bill. Um, yeah. Because like even what's his name? Uh, the guy that directed Joe Schumacher. I said what's his name, but Joe Schumacher. Um, you know, like he was reviled for Batman and Robin for a while. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he really like he directed other stuff, but it's like I don't think his career really recovered from that. And like Chris O'Donnell, um, he still works. He's on uh, NCIS LA or one one of the damn NCISs. There's like fifteen of them because <laughs> he's on the one with yeah. Tim and LL Cool J, and I believe that's still on. It's on its like tenth or eleventh season. So I mean, he's doing good, but um, it definitely took a minute. Um, for him to rebound from that, and like Alicia Silverstone, um, she's she's still working, but you know she was in Clueless. That was like kind of like what put her on the map for a lot of people. And then she went from Clueless yeah. to Batgirl, and I actually liked her as Batgirl, but uh, they're like nah. And she kind of took a step back for a little bit. Um, I follow her on social media. She's doing stuff. She's in. Um, I guess some quote unquote high profile things. I don't watch them because I don't have those those channels. But um, yeah, it took a minute for uh, for people to come back from that. And so yeah, when Quentin Tarantino says, "Hey, I'm doing this movie and I want you guys in it," I think just out of not only because they have the friendship, but just kind of out of respect. It's like I mean, you did kind of make my career or really give me a boost yeah, to my career. Yeah. So sure, I'll I'll be in your movie. Why not? You know, they have a working relationship. Um, his movies tend to do pretty well for the most part. Um, so, yeah, why not? I guess like it, 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 it even if you're comfortable working with a particular director, that means like, you know what they want, you know what they expect. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to you don't have to do a bunch of extra stuff. Right. Right. You don't have to get to know them mm-hmm. better. So, yeah. Sure. That's that's my rant again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what about you? Like, you you have more of a, a relationship with his movies than I do. So, like, um, not not really. I mean, again, you know, when Pulp Fiction first came out, it was just it was clever, mm-hmm. I guess, because of the nonlinear storytelling, and I think that's the thing that um, I liked about it the most. And then uh, Kill Bill, I just I liked, I liked the. Uh, the feel he he also tried to make it. Uh, there's the anime portion, but there's also the afternoon kung fu movie kind of feel yes, to it. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I watched those as well. So for me, that was kind of cool. That that afternoon kung fu, and I love the soundtracks. The soundtracks are amazing, also. And I do. I'm a big fan of Uma Thurman. So anytime they put her in a badass situation, I'm down for it. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know, I just I liked the the storyline was kind of interesting. You know this pod of assassins she wants to get out of it you know and just the whole the whole the, but she has to get back in to you know take care of business kind of like a john wick kind of thing mm-hmm. um and and so the the kill bills are my favorite hateful eight like i said it was all right it just it was just kind of like it was cool that you know uh what's his kurt russell was in it mm-hmm. but other than that it was kind of like eh. and then uh oh there's your movie like i said Res- there's your quentin tarantino yeah. movie john wick and uma thurman's character john wick and right. Beatrix oh my kiddo. Ah. there you go yeah <laughs> um anyway. so so the uh so reservoir dogs i never made it past like the beginning part or whatever and then um was reservoir dogs that about? list back up <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, I'm not. A, I have no idea. Right. I really. <laughs> I just. I clicked on it once. Um, 
True Romance was kind of okay as far as like being a very violent romance movie. Oh. <laughs> um, I like Christian Slater pretty well, you know. Um, that one was kind of okay. Natural Born Killers was kind of meh to me. I, I wasn't into that kind of violence mm. either. Um, I guess that's part of the problem with with uh, his stuff. Inglorious Bastards, again, it was okay, but you know, I liked some of it, but some of it was just like, wow, this is a this is a very yikes movie. Right. And then Django Unchained was was great. Um, I mean, Glorious Bastards Jamie is Fox's like them trying to kill Hitler, right? Uh, no, she her 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 family gets uh killed because they're Jews. She escapes mm -hmm. the slaughter because they they were being hidden by a farmer family. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they get discovered. She escapes, and then later on, she she plots to kill the um the the general or whatever that that did this okay. to her family and stuff in France so she's in France and she does mm. uh he escapes though but then there's the whole side characters of Brad Pitt and the Americans who go around and when they find Nazis um they either kill them or they they carve a swastika into their heads uh and then kill them and so you know, it's 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 empowering that way, but it's still it's one of those. It's like, you know, got to get through all this yeah, kind of violence. Is he in I mean, on there's, the there's, joke or, or yeah. right? There's yeah. also that so sounds very there, Kill I mean, Billy. All, like, isn't that it's Kill all, Bill? It's all very anti-Nazi. Yeah, it's all very anti-Nazi. There is no love for Nazis right. in this in this movie. So it's very obvious mm -hmm. that it's you know anti-Nazi, but it's also one of those where it's like, you know. You know, the amount of crazy violence mm -hmm. is just kind of, after a while, you're like, yeah, it's Quentin Tarantino, right. kind of like watching, you know. Well, and that's the other thing, Freddy too, Kruger is like, movie. are you being desensitized to it as a viewer or, or like, because yeah, it's being made a, made a joke sure. of, is it, does yeah. that, could that possibly contribute to when we see Nazis in real life, especially in the United States, which, you know, we're not really, well, most of mm -hmm. us aren't surprised about, but um, yeah. when that happens, it's like, um, why is it that maybe that's what I'm trying to say is with the Nazis showing up in real life, maybe that's part of the reason why it's not so shocking because we've been mm -hmm. kind of inundated with the Nazi imagery for so long. It like being, and not just Quentin Tarantino, but when it shows up, um, it basically being made a joke of from the, from the director or the creator standpoint saying, yes, the Nazis were a joke and they're absurd and we, we don't want them here or whatever. Right. But at the same time saying like, well, it's just a joke and people are doing it to be edgy. So we don't really yeah. have to do anything about them. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, like. Well, and that's, yeah. So, you know, same, so with, you know, Django Unchained, it was mm -hmm. hard to, I mean, it's, it's a great movie. I'd watch it again just because you know the first time it's like wow and then you know i have to get over some of the stuff which you know is historically accurate as far as you know how how slaves are treated and stuff right mm -hmm. so there's that part part that is like you know i'll watch this because i think it's important but at the same time it's still you know and it's 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 nice at the end you know that you know Django is you know frees his woman and all that it's great mm -hmm. it blows up the house and you know it's fantastic right mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, again, I don't rush to the theaters uh, to see 
a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's not right. they're, they're I I catch them on Netflix or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Uh, Pulp Fiction was the only one that I I saw in the movie theater. Ah. And I think or did I see? No, the only one. The other ones I, I either saw on DVD. Uh, yeah. So Pulp Fiction I did see in the movie theater. It was funny because I was one of four last men standing because so many people left the movie theater. Really? And demanded their money back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Because they, you know, were offended by it. Mm. And it was the violence. Mm. You know, the amount of... Which is really interesting coming from an American uh audience. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, it just, it just, it disgusted people. I mean, this 1994, which actually was a fairly, still fairly conservative That's true. time period. I mean, think about it. By the time you get to 1999, Matrix, The Matrix, think about what's in The Matrix. It gets an R rating. Mm. What the fuck for? Right. Because <laughs> you're like, okay, so. The one scene where. He, they, they, they suck something out of his belly, right? right the bug. Uh, Morpheus gets shot in the leg. Mm. I think it's the scene where like Trinity and Neo do their whole superhero thing in the the lobby, and they're like shooting all the the well, I guess yeah, the, maybe. the SWAT officers so. and such. I guess so. I guess. But I think it came, but it came out, you know, in '99. School shooting, mm-hmm. especially the highly profiled one of Columbine. Mm-hmm. So it, I just, you know, well, I don't, like, I don't know. But then again, the same reason why Pirates of the Caribbean got a PG thirteen. I've never seen Pirates of the Caribbean. Any of them. Okay. Okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be shocked for a fucking moment. Let me be shocked for just a second. Sorry. You better never let Liz hear you say that. Oh, I'm scared of her. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it. Well, the only reason why I'm shocked is because, you know, it's Pirates of the Caribbean and it was like a huge deal for the longest time and it well, it played on a loop in our house for years. Mm. All of them did. I just saw Pulp Fiction last week and like it's I Pulp, know, Fiction. Pulp Fiction. So I'm like, Man. Pulp Fiction is is a more <laughs> niche. I guess, but like well like by now it's like it's Pulp Fiction. It's like you especially if you want to be a filmmaker or whatever, it's like you have to see it. I'm just kind of like I still think that's a niche, yeah, you know, I think know. comparatively to Pirates of the Caribbean, which, you know, there's a ride at Disney since 1955 mm-hmm. called Pirates of the Caribbean. Nah. It's a Disney movie. <laughs> it's a Johnny Depp movie. I've never really been into I mean, Johnny so, Depp either. Like, yeah, there uh, you go. That does it. Yeah. yeah. Edward I mean, Scissorhands you know, is about it. It's, yeah. it's you know, but it's, okay, so do me a favor, and when you ever get around to it, watch... The first one. The other ones, eh. Uh-huh. They're, they're what they are, but the first one is the, ble- the best one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's 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 definitely worth watching, but it got a PG-13 because of pirates. Okay. There's no other reason. There's, like, no blood, guts. It's all high action adventure, but it got a PG-13 rating. Interesting. <laughs> then again, don't get me started. On the Academy, well, yeah, the Motion Picture Academy of ratings because there's a there's a really good documentary on Netflix about mm-hmm. it that it's unregulated and those people are kept secret. Yeah, like nobody knows who they are. Well, I mean, because it's 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 up to their uh, our well, it's not our sister podcast, but the one that we shouted out. Uh, so you're wrong about and yeah. um, 
in uh, Stuff You Should Know, did an episode on the uh, the ratings system, like mm-hmm. when it was created, why mm-hmm. it was created, and basically, yeah. basically it's how a crack it works. Bullshit. Yeah. Well, because like you had the Hayes Code in the uh, the mm-hmm. early. There's no code. There's now. no code. Well, you know now it's just. There's kind no of like, rubric. There's no code. Yeah. It's just up to what those people think it should yeah. be. Yeah. So, which is kind of what it always has been, like honestly. Oh sure, of course it is. Of course it is. And you know, and I, I honestly don't mind a rating system to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but maybe there should be a rubric and not just it, you know, go with the wind of you know who happens to be in there. Uh-huh. If you get a bunch of conservatives, then you give Matrix an R. Uh-huh. But if you have a bunch of, which is funny, which is really fucking funny. Okay, they give Matrix an R. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't have it has regular just normal violence and stuff that you could watch on TV. They don't even have to like fucking censor that to put it on TV right. on CBS, ABC, or, or NBC. But they'll give something like Austin Powers, which came out the same time, a PG thirteen, and there is nothing but sexual innuendo in the entire goddamn thing. Yep. Like you can't show that in a school mm-hmm. because of the sexual innuendo. Mm-hmm. But it got a PG-13, but Matrix got an R. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird for America, because usually it's the other way around. Right. Usually we're like, violence, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Sex, oh no! <laughs> Maybe because of the themes in the... Well, not the R rated, but like the themes of the Matrix too. Because um, that's the other thing Maybe. too. In the 90s, there were a bunch of like questioning reality type of... Not a bunch, yeah, but there, that, that seemed to be a thing in the 90s. Like, what is what is up... Because there was a movie, Which Way Is Up? But then also um, your your films of like, you know, Dogma or The Matrix yeah. or yeah. Um, The Virgin Suicides or, you know, there was a, a bunch of these, I keep saying a bunch, but there were a handful of films that questioned reality itself. Um, Vanilla Sky mm-hmm. is another one. And that came out in 2001, mm-hmm. but still... Um, there seemed to be this, um, I don't want to say movement, but this kind of grouping of filmmakers or, or stories being told where it's like, it is, is what you see actually what you see type of, uh, type of film. And those yeah. always tended to be R because it seems like they were trying to get, you know, underneath the, the surface of stuff, right? Which again, these filmmakers yeah. grew up during Watergate. So that was the whole point. Like their their childhood was the tail end of that phase of the civil rights movement and Watergate and the rise of serial killers, or at least the yeah. prominence of serial killers in the seventies and the oil crisis. And they got the Malay speech from Jimmy Carter. So they grew up kind of more disillusioned or disaffected from yeah. you know the the quote unquote the system. And so when they became filmmakers, that was them not only remembering the good parts of their childhood, but how certain things made them feel about it. Because even if you watch like Dazed and Confused, which is again why I always laugh um, about why everybody thinks things are so woke today or whatever. It's like even in Dazed and Confused, which is set in 1976, the opening scene where the kids are being let out for summer, summer vacation or whatever, the teacher says, like, hey, we're celebrating our, our bicentennial this year. Just remember, it was for uh, white slave owners who uh, who didn't want to pay taxes. Yeah, like, yeah I remember that. And scene, that's yeah. in 1993. Yeah. 
<laughs> Again, there's a lot goes on in the 70s that people don't realize. Uh-huh. Like I said, if you ever watched the, the the TV show, like I said, the cop show, Barney Miller. Holy crap. They, they discuss all that shit outright. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, for sure. All right. So, in general, yes. Quentin Tarantino movies. Uh-huh. Recommend them or not? Um... I recommend some of them. I, I recommend Kill Bill. I enjoy Kill Bill. Yeah, that's the one I. Th- I think that those are the two that I would I would recommend. The others I'd be like, ah, eh, depends on what you're into. Yeah. If somebody was to ask me, should I see Pulp Fiction? Like I asked you to watch it because I thought we'd talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it is thirty years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know when it came out, you were too young. Yeah. And so you know, but if somebody was to to really say, okay, I've never seen a Quentin Tarantino movie. Should I see one? Yeah. Kill Bill's working. Yeah. The rest of them, eh. Kill Bill is Kill Bill was the most <laughs> fun, and and again, I think just because of the, I guess you'd have to be somewhat aware of or maybe casually into anime to appreciate some of it, because um, like when the or kung, kung, fu, kung movies. fu movies, and and I guess with David Carradine being yeah, there you um, go. Bill, it's like because not I watched yeah. Kung Fu with my dad. Um, when I was younger a little bit. And um, so that's the only reason why I knew who, who David Carradine was. And then watching the movie, especially like when she's training with um, Pi, is it Pi May? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, that's, there are homages to the Kung Fu show. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Yeah, the way he trains her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his his little beard flip. Yeah. And the and the whole sequence of them uh, training together with like the um, like in the silhouette and stuff like that. It's like yeah, definitely homages to Kung Fu, which is homage to Bruce Lee because that was his idea. Um, yeah, again, that's another podcast episode. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I enjoyed uh, that one to get the music, especially the. The whole scene with her and the and the the crazy eighty eights. Yeah. Um, I forget the girl's name, but she's in the 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 schoolgirl uniform, and she has like the spike mm-hmm. ball mm-hmm. chain thingy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and then when she's <laughs> she's paddling the 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 one of the eighty eight who are running around with the yakuza, who turns out to be like a fifteen year old, or he he looks like a kid. Yeah. And then she spanks yeah. him with the sword. That's pretty funny. <laughs> like, yeah. I could have took your fucking head off because you're running around with but a bunch a of killers. Yeah. It's like if you don't go home and like study, like it's past your bedtime. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I would have the same reactions. Like I, because she nearly, yeah. she nearly like decapitates him, and when the lights come back on, she's like, like this boy looks to be like twelve. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like that. Um, so yeah, I would recommend uh, you, you got to watch them both because it's a, a mostly contained story. But Kill Bill Volume One and Two um, would be my recommendation as far as like Tarantino movies. I do want to watch Jackie Brown because I've seen like commentary about it mm-hmm. um, from different people I've seen on YouTube. It's like eh, I should check that out. Um, and I do like Pam Greer, so um, I'll I'll check that out. Um, yeah, tell me how that goes. Yeah, I'll check that one out. And um, honestly, from that, yeah, like Django Unchained, I guess is is okay. Um, from the parts that I saw, 
and that's pretty much it for me. I, mm-hmm. I've not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I know it's a it's a retelling. I haven't seen it. It's a retelling of um, the Sharon Tate murders, but in this in this uh, retelling or whatever, she actually lives. So like, oh weird. Well, for what I've seen about it, like it talks about the Manson family, of course. But when they break in to kill Sharon Tate, uh, Brad Pitt's character basically mows them down. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah so there, there's that. I was like, okay, interesting. Um, but it, I'm not going out of my way to see it. I'm like, yeah, eh, no, whatever. Uh-uh. If it comes on Netflix for, you know, I'm yeah, like, right. I'm like, yeah, eh, whatever. Um, so yeah, that's. Like I know the name. I've seen some of his films. I know of his his kind of like reputation and like going into a Quentin Tarantino a Quentin Tarantino movie, excuse me. You kind of know what to expect. Um Yeah. And sometimes he can play around with that and subvert your expectations, but you know, for the most part, it's like that's kind of his his thing. That's his brand. That's his Yeah, it is. That's his MO. So Yeah. Gratuitous violence. Yeah. Like, okay. And I will say... I mean, there is cleverness, yeah. And I will say, like, I think I've said this before, but, like, him and Tim Burton and... um, Well, yeah, those are the main two. If they weren't directors or filmmakers, they would be serial killers. So I'm kind of glad they are filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no him, Oh, and David Fincher. That's the other one. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino, Tim Burton, and David Fincher. Like, yeah. Who's David Fincher? He did Seven. I mean, he's done other stuff, but like Seven is, I guess, it's like kind of claim to fame. Um, So, you know, it's like, okay, well, at least I'm glad you have an outlet for your more homicidal tendencies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> anyway, on that note. Alrighty, well, yep, we should prep up. I gotta eat some yeah. lunch. All right. So, thank you for listening to another episode of Off Kilter No Filter. If uh, you enjoyed this, give us a thumbs up. Tell us yep. uh, some of your experiences with Quentin Tarantino films. Did you like them? Do you not like them? Do you seek them out? Do you kind of just catch them when they come on TV? Um, you know, do you like his actors? Whatever. Uh, you can right. do all of that by getting in touch with us. You can email us offkilternofilter at yahoo.com. Uh, you can tweet us at nokilter. And you can message us um, and interact with us on Facebook, uh, Off Kilter No Filter Facebook group. Um, if you enjoyed the music at the beginning of this episode, that was from yours truly. The name of the song is called yeah. Very Well I Know. It is from my debut album, Square One. Uh, the link will be it's in awesome. the description. Um, you know, I actually listened to it the other day. Um, it holds up, but of course I'm listening to it as somebody who made it, so it's different for me. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of listening to it to see like how it sounds <laughs> six years later. Oh my God, seven years later. Ugh, I don't like it. And, um, you know, just to see like, eh, what I, I would do things differently, but you know, it's my first album and I know, and now I know more of the album making album production process. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Things to know for when I make my next album. Anywho, uh, with that quick aside, you can also find my music on another podcast uh, the name of the podcast is called Women Committing Crimes. The name of the songs are Who, 
and um, Forgive Me. Uh, so you can find that. That is hosted by Mrs. Tammy Chase when you learn about all kinds yes. of women doing all kinds of crimes. <laughs> and uh, I think that's it. Is that it? Did we cover all our bases? I think we covered all our bases. I think we, I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's there it. There we go. So enjoy. Go watch Kill Bill 1 yeah. and 2. Those are my recommendations. Uh, yep. And we will see you guys next time. Yeah. All right. Stay safe, everybody.